Hi there. Welcome to the From Lab to Launch podcast by Qualio, where we share inspiring stories from the people on the front lines of life sciences. Tune in and leave inspired to bring your life-saving products to the world. Now let's get started with Robert, Qualio founder and CEO, and our show host. Hi, everyone. We are glad to have you join us today as I speak with one of our customers, Andy Levian, president and CEO of ArcScan. ArcScan was founded in February 2007 in Golden, Colorado. Their product, the ArcScan Insight 100, is a leading high-frequency ultrasound device that images the entire anterior segment of the eye, including behind the iris, areas that cannot be seen with even the newest models of existing optical technology. I really enjoyed my chat with Andy today, and we really hope you enjoy the conversation. Well, we've got a lot to chat about today, and I thought it might be useful, Andy, just to kick off with a little bit about ArcScan and what you folks do that helps you know save lives. Well, we don't save lives. We save people's eyesight. And so... Um... Just I guess to, save and improve lives is the, the broader. Right, right. And eyesight, you know, is such an important sense. Well, they're all important, but eyesight, yeah. there's just been a real explosion in the technology to improve LASIK procedures, cataract, treatment of glaucoma, which is about loss of sight. And so our technology is a very specialized type of ultrasound, if I can go into that now. Mm, and it's it's really novel because as you know, anyone's familiar with medical imaging, you know, ultrasound is one of the pillars next to things like CAT scan and MRI, X-ray, et cetera. But no one else is doing ultrasound like us. So uh, what excited me about the ArcScan op- opportunity when I first started 10 years ago with ArcScan is we actually have a little robot that operates underwater uh, in, our, in our desktop device. And it moves the ultrasound beam in a very controlled and fairly rapid way. So it gives us best-in-breed image quality, repeatability of the measurements at a very high precision, which is uh, necessary when doing eye surgeries because we're dealing with very small anatomy. And so it's a really cool combination of computer-controlled robotics and ultrasound that helps doctors better look inside the eye for cataract procedures, for replacing the lenses there, for looking carefully at the cornea to Mm -hmm. better understand, are you a candidate uh, for LASIK procedures? Because there's some conditions that that you want to avoid before doing LASIK. So we have a best-in-class tool for screening there. And so it's a really exciting combination of technologies for ArcScan. This motion control underwater robotics and ultrasound and then in the end, we call our device the insight. So we, mm. we do clinical work to apply uh, AI and our image processing to provide, you know, not just data, but insights yeah. to the ophthalmologist. So how big is this device? It's a desktop device. Um, you know, it's probably two feet kind of a cube. It sits on a, on a desktop. We have a very high power PC that's under the table that we provide. Yeah. We sell it for, you know, seventy to $80,000, yeah. which sounds like a lot, but that's kind of what these sort of diagnostics devices uh, cost. Yeah, of course. That might sound pretty large, but it's smaller than lots of the pieces of equipment I've seen in those practices. Yeah. And so our, our vision is to bring we believe the way we do ultrasound, so not a handheld, but a scanned yeah. ultrasound. We also see applications out of ophthalmology. I don't have uh, 
time to work on them very much right now, but we're looking forward to doing some other things, potentially in mammography, urology, et cetera, where the quality and depth of imaging that we enable through our novel combination of technologies will provide also high value diagnostics. Because so much we hear about in medicine is about diagnostics. I mean, what gets yeah. to press is, is the pharmacologicals, the therapeutic implants, but as an engineer, everything start, first starts with making a good and precise measurement. That's where stuff starts. So N- Nicely stated. So, and you folks kicked off this in 2007. Was, was this always the, the use case or did you arrive at, at this application over time? It was always the use case. There was a predicate device that our original inventors mm-hmm. had worked on. This is out of Cornell, the uh, yeah. Weill Medical College in Manhattan. And so this was the use case. But as we mm-hmm. developed the technology, we've actually sp- expanded it to be thinking about not only expanding the use cases in ophthalmology, because, of course, like many of the ologies, there, there is a handful of subspecialties in ophthalmology, and we've expanded there, but we've also expanded thinking about the other ologies in medicine as well. Yeah. So I'm curious, after, you know, 14 years later, you know, where is the company today? Any kind of stats? I'm curious to see how, you know, it sounds like a really important use case where you folks are. I know when you talk about 14 years, it's like, yeah. uh, you know, Rob, where is it gone? So we are a mid growth stage. So we have currently about 50 devices installed. And by the end of the year, we hope that to be over a hundred, awesome. you know, it's, it's not like thousands because that's probably our, our in cases. We'll have several thousand of these devices deployed around the world, but we're, you know, despite COVID we've actually had a pretty good year and uh, we're getting to a tipping point with brand and technology awareness in ophthalmology. We're seeing our sales growth accelerate. We've just transferred to a larger uh, manufacturer because we subcontract the manufacturing and they'll easily be able to handle uh, the capacity we need to grow. We're right on the door of a major investment from a strategic player in China. And China is just an absolutely huge opportunity for us. And so I've got my, you know, learn Chinese app on my phone now and everyone else here. So yeah, we're kind of mid-growth stage, still startup. Um, Yeah, of course. Of only 10 people, we hope to expand with the strategic investment coming in. We hope to double the size of the employees in the next six to nine months. So it's a very, very exciting time for us. Yeah, it's a good time. Well, like lots of things take time to really start compounding. So it's, and it's great. You had a good year uh, during COVID. I know that looking at our customer base, we, we saw some hiccups with elective type procedures or products and services around that, but we have seen a, a rebound in, in demand there. So it's really nice to see that it was more of a blip there, right? Rather than like a bigger trough. So that's, that's exciting to hear. Now I was looking at your background before we got together today and I've seen like an, an interesting kind of path, even in, in private equity and a range of different things here. I, I was hoping you could maybe walk me through the, the path to your current role? How did you get to doing what you're doing? Yeah, let me, I'm going to focus on keeping this short. Yeah, yeah well, we got, I graduated from Samama Bay Area, boy, graduated yep. from Cal Berkeley, um, did my graduate work in biomechanics right at the time, and this really dates me, you know, the first four, the four-bit microprocessor Intel had just introduced. And so even though I really wanted to be in, you know, medical devices, 
uh, Silicon Valley beckoned. And so I went down to uh, Silicon Valley and worked in a number of startups there uh, for a while, but really not in medical devices, really kind of instrumentation, some of it, some of it was semiconductor processing. Then I wound up in industrial controls um, and wound up uh, a few other startups here in Colorado then with a major corporation called Emerson Electric and kind of moved, moved up the corporate ladder there from VP of engineering into general management, being a general manager of a large division for Emerson in Boulder, just north of Denver. Yeah. And then from there over to Europe, again, kind of corporate roles uh, in instrumentation, industrial controls, always wanting to get back to medical devices. And in that uh, corporate role, we launched a strategy to do some acquisitions around medical devices. And it kind of led me back to uh, medical devices after many years and eventually to ArtScan about 10 or 11 years ago here in Colorado. So a real secure, circuitous path, but pretty exciting because I bring as a CEO startup, I bring some pretty deep experience in, in business development, strategic development, good process design, you know, leading us back to why we invested in Qualio because I'm a very process-oriented guy and you have to make compromises as a startup person because sometimes you just got to run like your pants are on fire because you just yep. got to. And process kind of takes... Sometimes out. or all the time. Yeah. Well, sometimes more than you'd like. And so yeah. I'm really enjoying getting back to being mid-growth stage uh, startup and focusing now on putting some good foundations in place. Because as a medical device company, you can only run that way for so long or pretty soon the commitments you've got to make in your, in your quality objectives and to your customers, you've got to get back to process. And yeah. we're right in the middle of a migration from anyone who knows Europe news is, you know, they're moving from the medical device directive to the medical device uh, regulation. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're just going through wrapping up that migration and the commitment to process and good procedure audit trail of documentation. Um, it's uh, the burden's pretty heavy for us now. So you folks are selling in like several geographies. You're in the United States, you're in, in Europe. Where else are you? Yes and yes. So my background was always international. So yeah. um, probably the country we have the least sales right now anyway is in the U.S. And that's changing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, were, we were lucky to make some here in the U.S., Early inroads with some military bases because of our value proposition on not only doing applications to support soldiers who are looking to get the best eyesight they can for obvious reasons, Mm -hmm. but also more in the VA space. But we're expanding with distributors in Europe. So we also have our CE mark, obviously. Yeah. Uh, We've got devices in Asia, a few in China, Singapore, South Korea, and now looking to expand in Australia. We just hired a sales guy there. Nothing in Latin America. So, you know, with 50 yeah. devices, you can only put them so many places, but we really <laughs> are an international business. We yeah. see our opportunity as an international one for sure. I'd love to kind of circle back on that in, in a minute, um, Andy, but maybe going back to you here, because I feel like there was, there was a question I wanted to ask that I skipped over. You mentioned wanting to get back to medical devices from the more industrial um, business you were in. Why? What was it about medical devices that, that pulled you? Well, as a young engineer, the strength of, of your ideals as an individual are, are still front and center. And unfortunately, in my career, I kind of got pulled by opportunity, you know, Silicon Valley, then corporate roles. 
But I, I, I got to tell you, you know, as a leader in my career, I'm lucky that I'm having a chance to get back to those ideals because as a CEO of a little business, you know, I think it's incredibly important I get back to my customers. And I recently uh, did a training at an Army medical hospital in, in Augusta. And, and before that, actually having sat through doctor consults with patients based on the insights that our device provided, uh, there was one case, um, this was uh, at Walter Reed, where we have a device. And it was a patient who was having a, a problem with cataracts. And it was whether we had to go and do surgery or not. And the insights from our images, and I, and I, I didn't participate, but I observed yeah. that consult. Our image had direct impact on the concerns of that patient and what was gone with her eyesight. Uh, that said, yeah, you don't need surgery. We just need to monitor and, and, and mm-hmm. watch. Being able to know that your, your hard work on doing the best you can with your technology, how you support clinical insights for the doctors, I mean, there couldn't be a richer professional experience for me. And so it's wonderful amazing. late in my career to get back there because it's just, uh, it's an awesome how did it feel to kind of go back in and actually, you know, start building products to directly impact that? And I'm wondering how does it, on, on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, do you, do you get those opportunities to see the not, impact? Not, not often enough, but it's a few times a quarters. I'll, I'll get out to see customers because it's that seeing the relief in that customer uh, mm-hmm. understanding mm-hmm. Uh, based on our images, what was going on uh, with her eyes. I, I'm hoping as I build my staff and I'm, wearing instead of 20 hats, maybe only six or seven, I'll have more time to do that. It's, but it's not enough for me. I wish I could I'd do it more often, but a few times a quarter now uh, yeah. and, and more hopefully going forward. Um, kind of moving back then to the distribution. So thanks for sharing your story. You, you said you went international very early and you, you spoke about, you know, you have distributors in Europe and across various parts, you know, in Asia, Zachary, and you're like, Looks to get you for a salesperson on, uh, in Australia. That sounds like a pretty huge uh, undertaking in terms of a- achieving that as a small 10-person company. I know we speak to people who are trying to figure this out and it takes a long time. I mean, can, can you talk to me about that journey? Uh, how, how you were able to do that? You know, I'm not sure in retrospect, should we have just focused in the U.S.? Mm-hmm. Perhaps because... You know, we started early on, it was back in actually in 2016, we had our FDA clearance granted as well as we had our, our CE mark, which of course covered, covered a lot of Europe. Mm-hmm. But as we began to understand the, the market opportunities, you know, we started looking in Asia and there, there are some unique things about genetic predisposition of Asian eyes that make it a very fertile and large market for us. Huh. So we have focus there and the, and the costs are pretty extraordinary. So we're currently going through what's in China is called NMPA is their version. I don't ask me NMPA. what that acronym okay. stands for is the equivalent of their FDA. We're pretty deep into that process. It's quite expensive for us. Hmm. You know, as you look as a CEO, where are the growth opportunities and talking with my competitors, you know, China is just an unbelievably huge opportunity for us. It's, it's, it's a lot you know, it's, it's four times the size of the U.S. Mm-hmm. And again, they have genetic predisposition in terms of their, their have very high myopes. 
which, which speaks to, to laser and other refractive procedures at a very high percentage. Some other things on the glaucoma space, which is where we have a very high value proposition. So it's, it's been a lot of work and a big investment, but it sets us up for the growth we're seeing now. And post-COVID, you know, I've been needing to get to China. and I'm fully vaccinated now. I hope to get there as soon as political things pass as mm-hmm. relates to travel. It's set, you know, I always question our investment in places like China, but um, with COVID passing, with a big investment coming from China, uh, it's going to set us up just beautifully for pretty phenomenal growth there. So it's been a lot of hard work, a big investment, but the table is set for us now to enjoy the growth. Yeah, well, it sounds like you've done lots of the the work up up front. So hopefully, yeah, you get to get to reap that now. Any any key lessons learned along that path of of building out the international motion? Because it, it seems the path less traveled for indigenous U.S. companies to look mm-hmm. outside the U.S. for early growth. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's right or wrong thing, but it's interesting to see that growing up in Ireland, you know, we're I'm Irish. Everything is all about exports because our local market is, you know, 4 million people. So you have to look externally immediately to grow. But a lot of companies in the U.S. are hundreds of millions in revenue before they think about the rest of the world. How, how did that, how did your thinking inform to do that? Well, in my other corporate roles, this is where yeah. I had the advantage of, you know, these were global businesses. Yeah. And uh, it was, you know, we, they were always global opportunities and it's, it's hard when you're in the U.S. because, uh, you know, medical device technology in the U.S. is still seen as a premium around the world. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and the investment I hope to see from, from China is it reflects the strength of the, of the regulatory environment. We all curse it here. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when you look at the migration of technologies out of the U.S., medical devices is still very strong in this country. But you've just got to be, you've got to, you've got to look at the global opportunity. You know, the U.S. is maybe 30% of the world. And where you look where money is being spent to build out the healthcare systems, you know, we're relatively mature here. Europe as well. You've got to look at where the growth opportunities are from an economic standpoint. And, you know, U.S. is important to, to develop the technology here, but the growth opportunities are in Latin America, Brazil, which we're, we're now going down the path of a regulatory approval in Brazil, very arduous, very expensive, but that's where the growth is, right? Because that, whether it's India, which has got its unique challenges or, or China, which is right on our doorstep, uh, you've, got, you've got to look to those as a CEO if you want to maximize your investors' capital investments in your company. Any other lessons learned, if you could speak to yourself um, to Andy 14 years ago and give him one or two, three pieces of advice, what would it be? You've got to be persistent, never mm-hmm. give up. After all these years, I still have to remind myself, I could go, really? I mean, the work we're doing in Europe right now, has really been a major resource pull on us. And you just have to be patient. Um, fundraising particularly, again, the focus is on, on the therapeutics but the opportunity is there for better measurements. You know, it's like the physicist. They, they measure something first, like, oh my God, what is that? And then they figure it out. Well, medicine's kind of the same way. Diagnostics are a critical part, whether they're biogenetics, genetic diagnostics, or measurements like ours. I still think they have a huge part to play 
And there are other places in the world who get it, even though it's kind of hard here in the U.S. for fundraising. You know, stay the path. This linkage of therapeutics and diagnostics, I think, is just going to get stronger um, the more we come up with tailored medicine, right? That's what it's all about. Used to be for a cataract procedure, you put one kind of lens in to replace your cataract. Well, now there's a plethora of lenses and what works best for you will be all about the diagnostics and the shape of your eye and what kind of correction that you need. Yeah, just be patient, hang in there. Thank you, Andy, for sharing and really enjoyed having you on the show and even more to be able to support you as a customer of Qualio. I'm looking forward to keeping in touch and anything we can do to help out, just just let us know. Uh, Thank you for joining. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of From Lab to Launch, brought to you by Qualio. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and give the show a positive review. It really helps us out. For more information about Qualio, our guest today, or to be a guest on a future episode, please refer to the show notes. Until next time.